Hey friends, welcome to Boss Barista, the podcast about workplace equity and employee empowerment in coffee and beyond. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. Hey friends, it's Ashley. In celebration of the Colectivo Coffee Union finally being recognized and becoming the United States' largest coffee union, this week I'm re-airing a previous podcast episode that focuses on other unions. In this episode, I interview members of the Tartine Union, a group of baristas, bakers, front-of-house staff members who work for Tartine Bakery in the Bay Area. They announced their intention to unionize in February of 2020, and they were officially recognized in March of 2021, 377 days later. Today, those in power are continuing to fight against unions across the industry, even though so much about our working lives has shifted over the last two years. Organized labor efforts are on an upswing, but as members of the Tartine Union showed in this episode, It can take over a year to even be recognized, let alone ratify a contract and begin bargaining. Today, with so many Starbucks employees now unionizing and the global coffee chain responding by bringing back the hardline Howard Schultz as CEO, even while investors urge the company to respect the union vote, it's important to stay on top of this issue. And remember that this is a long fight. This episode originally aired in February of 2020. This episode also reflects a previous, less experienced era of my podcasting life, so apologies for any sound quality issues. Okay, here we go. Um, so before we get started, uh, why don't I have the two of you introduce yourselves? Uh, Mason Lopez, uh, they, them are my pronouns, and I'm from the Berkeley Tartine. And I'm Emily Haddad, she, her, my pronouns, and I'm from the Tartine Manufactory in San Francisco. Um, Mason and I are both baristas, yeah. So why don't you tell me where this story sort of starts for both of you? The kiosk. Yeah, the kiosk. So Mason was working um, actually at the manufacturing whenever they first came on at Tartine uh, with me as a barista. And I, we had seen um, VCA, the veterinary hospital across the street, uh, start their unionization process with the ILWU and we kind of just like it was just more casual conversation of us being like what would this be like what would happen and then come to find out um I learned through a friend of mine who works at the Tartine Bakery the original location on 18th of Guerrero that they'd are they'd been talking about the same thing and they'd actually met with um some folks who had worked on the Anchor Union campaign for Anchor Brewery and so we just had to merge the two restaurants. And, you know, at the time, that was those were the only two locations was just Tartine Manufactory and the original bakery. Um, so within a couple of weeks, we had a meeting at my house in my living room. And uh, it kind of just started from there. How long ago was that? Last April. Yeah. 
I mean, that seems like a long time ago, but for union talks, it's that's that's actually really quick. So how did how did you start to build momentum? And when did you start noticing that, oh, this is something that we need or that people are looking for? Um, you know, it was it's probably right after that that dinner um at Emily's house that um we realized I think that so many of our concerns and you know, the things that we really wanted in a work environment were really succinct. Um, and, you know, we, for me, especially just watching the VCA, like struggle just right across the street was really inspiring. Um, and it was really helpful for it. Like, uh, especially in the kiosk and manufacturing, because the windows are just, you know, they're really beautiful windows and you can just see everything happening all day long. Um, yeah, there was one day where we were working like through um, one of their strikes and picket lines across the street and seeing like local politicians turn up and like all the other members of the ILW come out to support them. We were like, wow, this they've they've got power and um, these this union really supports their workers. Uh, so that was really cool to see. And yeah, it's like what Mason said that, um, you know, that first meeting at my house had a every type of worker at Tartine was present. We had like front of house, back of house, Spanish speaking people, bussers, um, and really seeing how all of us were feeling the same way that we uh, loved working at Tartine and like wanted to see it be a like healthy, happy work environment for everyone. Um, yeah, going, it felt like we had momentum pretty quickly. I think that's really interesting that you mentioned some of those things at the end that you guys that you all were working to try to make effectively trying to make tartine better and that was the message when you first released that you were forming a union that seemed really clear that this was a group of people coming together to try to make the workplace better for everybody so can you talk a little bit about like what what was it like crafting a message that felt true to such a big group of people I mean, from the very beginning, we wanted to make sure that 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 was our message, that it was like, you know, we're not here to to bring Tartine down. That's not, um, you know, that would be ridiculous. Why would we want the restaurants we work at to close? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was more that, yeah, that we enjoy working here. A lot of us came to work for Tartine as a company because of its reputation, because of how um, renowned it is. And I personally had a friend who was the general manager at the manufacturing at the time who brought me over after, um, you know, a year of dealing with a very high profile sexual harassment case against my former employer. And uh, he assured me that like Tartine Manufacturing was a safe, equitable workplace. And so I wanted to be a part of that. And we wanted to make sure that that continues. And um, you know, as the company's growing and there's less uh, focus on each individual location, we saw that wasn't necessarily the case anymore. Yeah, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about some of the concerns that you did outline in your original statement to Tartine. What were some of the things that maybe folks started noticing that they were hoping that collective action could maybe start to rectify? Um, I feel like one of the first things that stood out for a lot of folks was transparency um, within like the financial earnings of the company. 
and where it's being distributed um, as a whole. Um, that's something that it's just concerning to see as they continue to expand, even as we speak, uh, Santa Monica's opening up yeah. uh, very soon. Um, and, you know, it, we want to know how can we be uh, that sustainable within working for this company that is promising us equity. Yeah, and for, you know, it just didn't seem like like we were just very confused where like I was personally told that the company had no money to give raises and yet multiple restaurants were opening um, within a few months and then one rapidly closed <laughs> as everyone knows about that they'd spent like millions of dollars on. And we were just like, we want to be able to know um, where the money's going to that we're making and uh, why it seems like employees, which are the face of their company, aren't their priority. So let's backtrack a little bit just because I think most people have heard the word union. Most people kind of have an understanding of what a union is, but in the way that you folks are shaping it for Tartine, what would it mean to have a union for you folks? I mean, at its basis, a union is a seat at the bargaining table. Um, it is help allowing workers to take back a bit of the power in their workplace and be able to have a say in what their workplace looks like, what their workday looks like, um, how they are, how our labor is being sold, essentially. Um, and that to us is really important to be able to have, you know, not just a top down, but also a bottom up um, molding of what uh, what it looks like to be a worker at Tartine. What was it like presenting? I don't know if either of you were there um, when this happened, but what was it like presenting the statement to like higher up to management to the owners of Tartine? So we both were at our respective locations, right? Mason? Yeah. 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 Both were. Um, kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Super scary. Well, for us, for Berkeley, it's a little, complicated yeah for us at the manufacturing um we weren't really sure what manager was going to be working and so we were just told to present it to the manager on duty um and yeah you know we'd all like met outside 10 minutes before we were going in and there was just a lot of nervous energy but it was more like excitement we were excited to move forward with this and have it be public because we've been working on it you know what feels like in secrecy for so long and be able to really like start the dialogue between management ownership and workers um, and have it be something that we could start to talk about. Yeah. Um, I can reflect a lot on that. I, it was same for us. We, we were just so excited and so nervous and just really wanted to get it out in the open. Um, and, it almost relieved actually just to be able to just be public and just start discourse. So you present this letter of intent that you are starting a union, um, but that's not, that's not like the only thing that happens. So can you walk us a little bit through the process of what happens next and what's, what actually has happened since you presented the letter? So yeah, what happens, and this is across the board whenever a workplace decides to unionize in general, um, there's multiple steps that you take, uh, the first of which is actually organizing your coworkers and um, 
saying people want a union. And, you know, as you, everyone's read, um, we have over 70% of Tartine workers, which is around 220 workers in the Northern California area, uh, have said that they want to be a, a part of the union, that they want to unionize with ILWU. Um, so first we do that, and then we present a letter to management with the name of all of those workers, and we offer them the chance to recognize our union. Um, and as we were told by uh, our union organizer at ILW, the majority of owners choose not to recognize the union, so we were not surprised by um, by that for them. Uh and that just happened, right? That just happened yesterday, yeah, just to give people kind of a sense of the timeline we're on. Yeah, so that just happened yesterday where they said they're choosing not to recognize us, which means that uh, the decision to unionize goes to a vote. Um, so now in – and so that that goes to a vote that the NLRB, the National Labor Review Board, decides. And they um, – so within like three to four weeks, they will – that organization, this government organization will come to our workplace and – have ballots similar to how you vote whenever you go and you vote for government uh, officials, where every worker will uh, submit a ballot that says whether or not they want to be a part of the ILWU. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty basic process, surprisingly. Um, it's just, yeah, now it's a matter of making sure that all the workers are like as informed as possible and feel supported by us, by fellow workers, by those who have been trying to unionize. Um, and yeah, just making sure that we like stick together. <laughs> Something that's been really powerful is seeing the amount of news coverage this issue has gotten and how many people have thrown their support to you folks. What does that feel like seeing politicians and just people like marching with you? Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of us honestly got like kind of teary at the rally last Thursday. Yeah. We didn't have any idea that this many people would show up. Um, I was really stoked to see like, you know, my neighborhood supervisor, Dean Preston, has been throwing his full support for us. Um, and yeah, having having that really makes us feel like, OK, this is like valid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even like I went to the grocery store like two days ago and I was wearing one of my buttons and a couple of people, not just like a singular person, a couple of people just shook my hand, pats of support, some, you know, a couple of really great words, just doing my groceries. You know, people really, the people that do know about union effort um, and what that means for communities and for people. They really, they get it and they're here for you. Yeah, I really want to talk more about what it means for a group of people to come together as a union. I think we, we talked about that a little bit, but it really is about having a seat at the bargaining table. So it means, I don't know how this, how this will translate, because as you said before we started recording, you guys haven't negotiated. So there is no like definite sort of things that you will get if your union is recognized. But what are some of the like, what are the some of the things that you hope for maybe generally um, to happen if your union gets recognized? I don't know if you could talk about yeah, that. Yeah, no, I think we can. Um, I mean, I think that one of the coolest parts about when we 
are going to be negotiating a contract is that we want to have like someone on the bargaining committee that's from like every department. Um, at least where I work, the Tartine Manufacturing, it's a huge space and a huge restaurant. And we have a whole commissary space across the street where pastries get made for um, multiple locations. And so having like all the workers there have very different needs and we want to make sure that all of those workers' needs are really heard and put into the contract. Um, and so that's important for us. And, you know, as has been said a lot, how expensive it is to live in the Bay Area. Um, and that, yeah, we want to be able to see people have maybe more of a living wage. And what that would look like, we'll see uh, whenever that negotiation happens. Um, but as of right now, I think it's pretty... I think it's pretty sad how the majority of people who make the food and clean the restaurants and serve people have to commute an hour or two every day to do that. Like that just doesn't seem sustainable. Um, so we want to yes. work on that. Yeah. Something that came up a lot in the articles about <clears throat> the union was that a, a lot of people seem to have to take on second and third jobs, um, which is not, uncommon especially in san francisco and oakland for minimum wage workers um can you talk a little bit about that about like what it's like working in the bay area um, and working for a prestigious company that has like worldwide acclaim and kind of like juxtaposing that to like the realities of working in one of the most expensive cities in the world and making like 13 14 bucks an hour it's exhausting. <laughs> it's so exhausting. It's already exhausting to like have to go to work. <laughs> and then, especially if you're a barista, I mean, we know like you got to go and wake up Berkeley or San Francisco or whichever town you're in. And you got to deal with all of these folks before they had their coffee. So this is like all, this is already work. Mm -hmm. And to have to do that and then be like, run across town and go to your other job, you know, and do another six hours of the same thing or the ops, you know, like I also do catering work and, you know, bar backing and bar work. So it's like, I could use a break. <laughs> yeah. One thing that made me really sad that makes me sad often at the manufacturing is, um, hearing from workers that we can't afford to eat there. Uh, and that just doesn't really seem right that we're serving food that we ourselves can't afford to eat. Um, and you know, that whenever I like realized that for myself even and started hearing that from other people, I was like, Oh, this is something that we maybe need to look at um, and think about more. Um, Absolutely. Especially in San Francisco. And I mean, Berkeley and Oakland and kind of the rest of the Bay Area. Um, when I lived there, I was, I'd commute into the city from Oakland and it would be $8 just to get like to and from work. And I was like, wait, hold on. Like how, how is, how is it like feasible? And then to like have to argue with people for just like the dignity of like, I should get paid more so that I can eat food and not have to work 80 hours a week to make my life work is kind of ridiculous for the fact that like Tartine is such a San Francisco institution. Like, yeah. I don't know now, now I'm just like ranting a little bit, <laughs> um, no, I but, but I, but, but I imagine that that's like, that's 
that's hard to deal with that work, especially for a customer facing position, like the ones that you two encompass. Yeah, it is. And you know, the reality is that like specialty coffee isn't an easy job. Like there's a lot of training and a lot of knowledge that goes into making good coffee. And, um, to feel like that's not noticed or that's not appreciated in a workplace is a little, is a bit of a bummer, you know, and we charge the same amount, if not more as the other big names in coffee in the Bay area. Um, and it's, it's sad to see that like, that's not going to the workers at all. So I want to talk a little bit about what happens now that the union has not been recognized by leadership. You mentioned that this will go now to a ballot, um, but there's still stuff happening on the ground too. So you folks are working with the folks who, you know, who are on the floor with you every day or who are already signed up for the union, but what happens, what's, what happens at the other end, what happens with leadership? Um, a couple of articles have talked a little bit about it, but I wanted you folks to talk about it too. So yeah, at this point, um, they have said, yes, that they're not recognizing our union and that, uh, they're going to start hosting meetings with employees, um, and the anti-union firm that they've hired, um, to give us their side. And, you know, I believe that like, that's valid in some ways. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes, (laughs) um, So from our end, yeah, it's, and I I would say that, you know, so far, Chartine has been very smart about this. They're a a very massive company. Um, They're playing this, you know, very by the book, trying to follow all the rules. Um, Like they legally can't intimidate us or tell us that we shouldn't unionize. Uh, And for the most part, I'll say that they haven't been. Um, and so we're just trying to be as respectful to them, respectful to them in this process as well, you know, because at the end of the day, it's not us against them. It's us wanting to like sit with them and work on this. I think that's a really, really important point that you just made. Um, cause I think it can seem like unionizing is very contentious. Um, and while there's certainly things to work out, there are things that you folks need to talk about and work out, especially when you sit down and negotiate. Um, it is not an us versus them. This is not what's happening. Um, and I think it's really easy for these things to be painted this way, um, especially looking at articles that have been written about um, Tartine not recognizing the union. I was a little flabbergasted by some of the accusations that were made, um, especially in the SF Chronicle article about people maybe not feeling that they wanted to be part of the union or there are rumors about... Uh, people being intimidated to be part of the union, which I thought was really interesting. Um, to me, that felt a little bit like a tactic to intimidate others. But um, again, this is maybe me extrapolating a little bit. Um, so it's interesting when those dynamics get kind of flustered. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that that's intentional on their part. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah. So like I said, we're trying to just really stay focused on, on our side of the street and um what we're trying to do and it's less on their actions and more about empowering employees and making sure that the workers have all the answers that they need um you know informed unbiased answers yeah and yeah that they just feel supported and safe um in their workplace Um, 
what has it felt like taking this endeavor on? How do you feel more well-informed about like yourself as a worker? Like, do you feel like you, you've learned how to advocate in yourself in a way that maybe you didn't have before? I think for me, um, I've been a barista for a little over 20 years now and you know, I've, I've been through some cafes and learned some things along the way. Um, but here in this situation specifically, I feel like I've really learned some things about getting people together. Um, like the, the way that people really will just fight for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, when they have, they, when they realize the same message is being translated to all of them, like in, especially in a sofa, I feel like there's so many cafes that are with restaurants and with hotels and like, so you're often in service with a lot of different people in the barista scene out here. It's not just, you know, a small coffee shop We're we're, you know, baristas and dishwashers and bar folks and servers and it's not just you know it's not just one one portion of us with with the same experience it's it's Mm -hmm. service service in general it's the service struggle (laughs) right yeah what is the best way for people to show their support of you folks we've been telling everyone um that to to come to tartine to show up to whatever your local neighborhood tartine is, um, get stickers and buttons, which we've been posting about on our social media, the days where they can come by and get them, um, and get posters, put them in at your workplace, put them out at your house, uh, and just be visible in your support. Tag us at Tartine Union on all social media, um, but yeah, show up and give Tartine your business and show them that a unionized workplace is going to benefit them. Oh, and tell workers you support is, them. Tell all the workers you support them so that we feel strong and that we have the yeah. support of our community. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else you'd want people to know listening to this about the work that you folks are doing? You can do it too. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's possible. It's, it's very possible. Yeah, we had yeah, no idea folks. that, like, you know, that there were this many resources out there for workers um, and that there's people who want to help us uh, for free often. Like, <laughs> yeah. people who want to give us, like, space to meet and resources and information. Um, and that, you know, like, it's, A, it's not as hard as I thought it would be. Um, yeah. Because, you know, we're stronger together and the more people that you have helping out, you know a little bit easier but yeah that um that you could do this too in your workplace and uh one thing I try to another thing that I'm trying to continue to tell people is like the um work is changing workplaces are changing uh with gig work with tech work with contract work um yeah it's it's all new and different and that doesn't mean that like your workplace can't be unionized any workplace could be unionized Um, collective action knows no boundaries so uh if you want to do this in your workplace feel free to reach out to us we'd love to give you tips and uh you got this
Thank you folks for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Ashley. Hey friends, this is Ashley coming to you now in March of 2022 when we're re-airing this episode. This episode came out in February of 2020. The Tartine Union was recognized in March of 2021, and we're about a year out from that moment. So I hope that this episode encourages you to stay vigilant and keep on top of any union efforts that you see in your cities and neighborhoods. Your baristas appreciate the support, and it's important for us to let union busters know that we're watching. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you in two weeks. I'm just looking for a better day. Boss Barista is produced by me, Ashley Rodriguez. You can find a transcription of this episode on my newsletter, along with an accompanying article about this episode every Thursday at bossbarista.substack.com. To support the show, you can visit www.patreon.com slash bossbarista. We have over 80 patrons supporting the show right now, which is incredible. And that helps keep the show alive. We pay guests through this fund, we pay for website hosting, and we make donations. Half of our patron donations are currently pledged to five different nonprofits, each at $50 a month. Asada's Daughters, the Loveland Foundation, the Native American Rights Fund, the Grocery Run Club, and the Chicago Community Bond Fund. Again, if you want to support Boss Barista, consider making a monthly donation at www.patreon.com slash boss barista. Another amazing way to support the show is to share this episode with just one person, a friend, someone who you think would learn something from this episode, anybody. Sharing on social media is also a huge help, along with giving us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. As a small production, these things matter a lot. So if you can take a little time, share out some of your favorite quotes from this episode, and tag us, that would be amazing. We're at Boss Barista Podcast on Instagram and Boss underscore Barista on Twitter. You can also send me an email at bossbaristapodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.